Hello everyone, beautiful Monday. Welcome to another episode of Heartship, the now of workplace diversity, leadership and is a podcast that explores culture and diversity from a holistic approach for the beating hearts of our people. Today I have a special guest with me and am honoured to introduce her. For 30 years, Kate Nosser, the people's skills coach and author of Leading Morale, has consulted, guided and taught leaders at every level of organisations how to meet the critical challenges of leading people by merging universal human needs and business leadership goals. Kate Nasser has moved leaders from all traditional steps to progressive practices that ignite human contribution. I am pleased to have Kate with us today as we discuss leading people who used to be your peers. Let's bring her on. Hello, Kate. Hey, how are you tonight? I am well. Thank you for coming on. How are you? I'm I'm great, and I am thrilled by the very t- uh, subject, overall subject that you cover, this hardship and the beating heart. I mean, it it is where it's at today. And if leaders are not connected into that, especially with the every new generation coming into the workplace, you can forget about leading because they are not, they they were not raised like the generation, like my, you know, my parents and so forth. I mean, that was a whole different world. So you really have to be connected with them as human beings. Otherwise, you will have a very difficult time of leading anybody. Right. And you brought up a great point and you talk about that during your generation. And that's such a key, key point that you just mentioned, even starting this conversation. Whilst a lot of organizations are kind of like grappling with the multi-generational aspect mm-hmm. of it, and the, uh, millennials versus uh, X generation versus baby boomers mm-hmm. versus that generation, right? And everyone is kind of like grappling, uh, how do we make everyone happy? But that is one facet of it as well. Huge. And a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people are also concerned about, oh, you know, someone younger than me is leading or someone older than me has no clue what they are doing. But, but to what we're going to talk about, this is an ever-changing landscape, mm-hmm. especially now, and to your point, you said, especially now, We have seen the paradigm of workplace and leadership shift. We have peers taking on leadership roles as small and more peers have currency, right? Mm -hmm. In what the workplace is demanding for. Mm -hmm. And this is a great segue to ask the question as to what are the key issues (laughs) of leading people who used to be our peers? Mm -hmm. So let's start with that. Yeah, yeah. So how do we start? Um, it's okay, some key issues. I think that's a good place to start because it sort of gets us focused and then we could go deeper into some of the details, you know, if you want to. Um, the most, imp- you know, I say to people, because I have coached people who were promoted and they were leading their peers. And I say to them, before you, you know, even if it means you got promoted this afternoon, hypothetically, Before you go in tomorrow, tonight is the night that you would need to spend some quiet time, find a space at home, whatever, and really think about who you are to them now, because they don't know. 
And if you go in tomorrow, you have to, when you go in tomorrow, you have to be able to give them a very quick sense of who you are now and how they will interact with you and how you're going to treat them. It's the, the big challenge is the unknowns. And one of the biggest mistakes people make unknowingly, I mean, certainly not intentional, is to sort of recoil a little bit. I'm not, not saying they're hiding in the corner, but people who get promoted and they're leading their peers, they're trying to figure it all out. So they come across as um, either they go in and bang, you know, they're trying to prove they're the boss, which is the worst thing in the world you could possibly do, or they recoil and try to be the friend. And meanwhile, everybody is still walking around wondering who the heck you are. So what you have to do before you do anything else is to sit down and spend some time. You know, what is your leadership philosophy? Are you going to be a heart uh, ship, to yours, use your phrase, leader? Do, do you want to tap their talents that you may have seen as a peer? And maybe the former boss that you used to work for that moved on never really tapped into. So once you've thought all this through, here are the key issues you want to communicate. Speak very early on about the advantage that everybody has because you all know each other as people. This is a huge advantage. Think about what it would be like if they had hired somebody from the outside that nobody knew and the long learning curve there would be in developing that relationship and understanding, you know, that new leader. If you already have relationships with your peers, this is an advantage for them and for you and the business. So you want to make that clear early on. Secondly, then talk about the mission and the goals as you see it for the organization. It is one of the um, strongest and yet non-threatening ways to let everybody know that Yes, you are now the leader. That's a fact. You're not recoiling from that. But here is, here's the mission. Here are the goals uh, as you see them. And then engage them. What is it they, you know, what do they see? What have they been seeing? Just because you were their peer doesn't mean that you know everything they think and everything they're thinking about right now. It's time to engage them and, and really let them know that you are going to be a very engaging leader. That doesn't mean you're going to abandon them, that you're, they're going to do all the work and you're going to get the credit, you know, but that's extremely important. Then ask them, what is it that they expect of you? It's such a simple thing. You would think that would be the first thing you would ask, but a lot of leaders that get promoted and they're leading their peers don't ever ask that question. And you will be amazed that that's a gold mine. The information you get out of there is a gold mine because now you're going to have something of a roadmap. If they if they say things like, "Well, I hope you still treat us well," or "I hope we can still be friends," You're going to know what that there's that factor in play and how strong a factor that is. They may say to you, well, I expect a raise. I've been underpaid for you know, X amount of time. And you can say to them, well, I certainly 
believe that we're going to be looking at compensation as well as everything else, as we as leaders always do. You don't have to commit to giving them a raise, but you can let them know that you hear them. People want to be heard. It doesn't matter whether it's a former peer that's been promoted or a brand new leader walked in off the street. Employees want to be heard. They want to know that they belong. They want to know that there is a purpose and that their particular talent, talents, plural, make a difference. If you want to lead morale, which is, you know, the name of the book I wrote, you mentioned it. It's all about, you know, we can talk about diversity and hardship and all of these things, but in the end, there are study after study after study show that especially the millennials and the Gen Zs, the one they're getting out of high school, college, and so forth now, they, they expect to have a purpose at work and to belong and to know that they make a difference. Absolutely key. Um, I would say also address any jealousy that you see straight away, but it's best to address that in private. So there might be somebody who really wanted the job and they are very disgruntled and you've picked up on that. And it's time to definitely talk with them, find out what their goals are, what talents you see in them that the former boss never saw, what you, what potential you think they can have, whether they're the leader or not. In other words, engage them and let them know. In the end, someone who is disgruntled and jealous that they did not get the job will make their own decision on whether to stay or to go. You can't try to coddle them. You can't be their friend. Those are the wrong, the very, very wrong mistakes because in the end, yes, you must establish the fact that you are the leader. But as the leader, you're going to be taking a lot of heat from other leaders, from all the pressure is going to be on you, and you're going to need a team that wants to work with you. And so if somebody is really disappointed yeah. and they're disgruntled and they decide to move on, that's okay too. That's that's okay too. But those are the yeah. those are the key steps of does that make any sense? Yeah, no. Oh wow, okay. So you hit so many points right on the nail and i want to expand a little bit on yeah, some yeah, of the points that you mentioned right and i love that you mentioned about think about you know when you get promoted think about who you are now and then when you go in to the workplace as a promoter as a leader mm -hmm. right you have to establish you have to have a sense of who you are and give them a sense of whom you are this is such a key component that a lot of people to your point um, forget. And I've seen in so many different organizations when someone gets promoted, all the peers think, oh, you know, I know you, we are buddy buddy. You will be my, you will take favoritism. You know, you, you will right. favor me more. That aspect comes in because that's a huge change, right? It's a change and change management comes into place as well. There's change happening that people do not know how to make the transition. Right. And it's both peers and the leader. And you mentioned that, um, am I going to be butty, butty with someone because I got promoted or am I going to set the bar? And of course, you don't need to be a bloody jerk just because you got promoted. No, that's that's I'm just going to jump in and say, you know, people, yeah. there's a huge debate out in the in the leadership community. It's been around forever. Um, and it's not just about being promoted up, you know, from to, to lead your peers. It, it, this has been around even for just 
a new leader from the outside. Can mm -hmm. you be friends with those you lead? Right? That's mm -hmm. the age old question. And what I say is, I sure hope so. But I guess it depends on what you define as friendship. You just mentioned the word favoritism, buddy, buddy, letting things slide. And my answer is, if two people or if everyone, you know, the, the, the tightest teams have a friendship. Now, I mean, they might not go out and socialize after work, but at work, there, there are teams that are high performing and they, they wouldn't define themselves as a friendship. There are other teams who, that do. Both are fine. But in any friendship, a friendship has to be multi-way or two-way, depending on the people. Uh -huh. It cannot be one way. So I, if I, let's say you were my peer and you got promoted, right? Uh -huh. And I, we were buddy buddies. Why, if I'm your friend, why would I expect you to play favorites with me? Mm -hmm. I'm your friend. I'm going to want to make sure that you succeed as the leader, as the leader of the organization. And to be the leader of the organization, your responsibility mm -hmm. is to the whole organization and to all the people that you are leading to try to get there. Mm -hmm. So I don't buy this thing that you can't be friends. You can't be, you can't play favorites. Absolutely. I agree with that. But I do think it is possible to be friends. And if over time, the people that you used to be, quote, friends with decide that they're not, you're not the friend anymore because you're not giving them, you know, okay, you can come in late and, you know, slack off. Well, I question whether or not that really ever was a friendship, but that's right. the debate will rage on, I'm sure. Right. Now, I love that. I love that you mentioned that. Another aspect that I want to dig a little bit deeper is you mentioned about ask what the expectations are, right? So when you go in as a leader, you want to understand what the expectations of me is. Right. And also, I think expectations comes from a two-way street, right? Um, when we expect something and it's not of common understanding, then mm. the expectation, the person with the expectation kind of gets... Um, it, you know, gets really disappointed when there's no common understanding. And I want to tie that with the jealousy aspect that you mentioned. Because most of the time, I've seen in organizations when peers get promoted, jealousy comes from two perspectives as well. The person who didn't get promoted, right, they get jealous. Or the person who did get promoted, and it's not a jealousy thing, but they use power to kind yeah. of oppress or show power like, yeah. I got yeah. promoted, yeah. I'm oh. going to treat differently. So how do we handle that? Well, first of all, if you get promoted, and I don't care whether you are leading your former peers, or let's say you got promoted and you were moved into a different, you know, different part of department or whatever. Uh, the last thing a leader should ever do is go around saying, I got promoted. Who the heck cares? That, that Nobody cares that you got promoted. They care about what you are going to do, how you're going to treat them. Do you have the skills to engage them? Can you lead in a crisis? What will you do? You know, there's there's a million kinds of expectations. And that's why I say, whether you're leading your former peers or you're new to the organization and you're leading or whatever, the, the, the most important thing is to know who you are, your, your philosophy of, of leadership, what you, what you envision, and then to find out what people expect of you. 
a lot of people call it servant leadership. There's a lot of different names for this style of leadership. But the point is, I say to people, look, if, in fact, in my book, I say, look, if you're not going to lead morale, if you're not going to engage, if you're not going to find out what their expectations are and make their talents come to life, then you're not leading anybody. The, leading people is about building trust, and that trust is a partly how you're going to treat them. Will you go to bat for the team and try to... Uh, remove obstacles, you know, and I don't just mean when they want more money. I mean, every single day you are in that zone between them and upper leadership, at least in traditionally structured companies. What are you going to go to bat for them? Or are you going to crumble when you're in a meeting and then you come back and you say, well, there was nothing I can do. So, you know, we all have to work overtime, but we're not going to get paid. I mean, so the expectations when I got promoted when I worked in corporate America and I got promoted. It's the first thing I, I did because it's like, well, what, what is it that you need from a leader? That's the question. What, what do you need from your immediate manager, leader, whatever the title is? And as they started, some will say, be there when I have a question, be there, you know, when I need help. Some might say, um, well, I'm, you know, I'm a single parent and I'm, you know, coming to the office has been difficult for me. Of course, now with the, with this plague, everybody's working from home, but back then it wasn't. And, you know, they might say, if, if there's any way you can arrange for me to work from home, you know, <clears throat> pardon me, two or three days a week. So what you're going to get are some of this, what is it that really is an obstacle for them? What's getting in the way of their employee experience? What is getting in the way of them being a high performer? What's getting in the way of them achieving the, the goals? This is the heart of it. And when you let them know that you want to know these things so that you can make magic for, you know, ahead of them so that they're not running into these obstacles, you're telling them that they matter. And that's what people want. They want to know that they matter, that it's not just, you know, here come, here come the workers and here's the work they do. And here's the paycheck. Paychecks in these younger generations do not motivate high performance. Yes, they want a good paycheck. Absolutely. But that alone doesn't do it. They leave companies and go to companies that, that were to work where there's, um, a social conscience, you know, it's, it's all about this deeper connection. And when you ask them, what is it that you need from a leader? All of that will come out if you are a good listener. Right. Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that you mentioned leading in a crisis, right? I love that you mentioned that trust, you know, we lead to increase or improve the morale trust let's talk about trust for a second right when you are a new leader um, i'm not talking about a leader who comes into the company but a peer right. becoming a leader right? right so the way that we establish trust it becomes different layers it trust is like peeling an onion yep. layer after layer yep. until you get to the core but as a peer right as peers fellow peers you all have um it, 
I don't know if it's called watercolor talk, but it's internal talk and it's behind, let's not speak in front of the manager, let's not speak in front right. of leadership. Right. And when you become the your peers leader, yeah, trust level morphs, right? And this is a really crucial point. And again, you are back to square one again, trying to build trust because you're no longer a peer. Now you're trying to build trust as a leader. Mm-hmm. And how can we build that momentum up? Um, you know, having that that relationship, right? Sometimes it, we also want to take into consideration sometimes peers like, oh, you got promoted? And that becomes stonewalling happen, happens. Stonewalling happens a lot. So from your expertise, how can a peer who has become a leader, mm-hmm. how can they start again in building trust? I love this question. Um, you just mentioned a minute ago, and, and, and you're absolutely right, that at least traditionally, and I think even still today, um, peers, you know, talk by the water cooler or whatever, you know, and not in front of leadership. And so what I say to people that are about to be promoted and they're going to lead their peers, I say to them, first of all, you have an advantage. Again, because you know the kinds of talk that went on at that water cooler. So how can you, ask yourself this, how can you set up more frequent um, conversations, whether it's in a meeting, you might start every meeting instead of just making meetings, this, these boring status updates. I mean, if you're going to get together for a meeting, whether it's on Zoom or if anybody ever gets back to working face-to-face after all this, um, meetings should be um, a very precious, special hour, half hour, whatever it is, where an engagement goes on, real discussion goes on. And one of the ways to do that is at the beginning of a meeting, certainly always have an agenda, but say to them, you know, we want to get through these, these issues today. You've all contributed. That's the other thing. Make sure they are contributing to the meeting agendas. Do not send them a meeting agenda. Should in advance, that meeting agenda should be collaborative so that when everybody gets there, they're interested in contributing. But then at the very end of the meeting, make sure you have good time management so that you're not getting derailed on any one topic. Save five, 10 minutes at the end of a meeting for, okay, it's water cooler time. Let's talk about the things that maybe have been on your mind. You haven't had, you know, you haven't come to to bring it to the foreground yet. Maybe you've been talking to each other about it. I used to do it. We used to do it. So let's have water cooler moment. Or, and you can call it whatever you want, but there should be, that is also very much a part of the engagement. There have been leaders that were promoted that are leading their peers who did it so well that there was very little withheld from the leader. Because most of the time, water cooler talk, as you mentioned it, is two things. If it's disgruntled, you know, upset, whatever, that's one kind. And the other one is uncertainty. Oh, are we going to be reorganized? Oh, are they going to cut that product line? And that'll make my job up. It's, it's all about uncertainty. So you can handle uncertainty by making sure that you always have out front water cooler moments, whether it's 
on Zoom, whether it's at the end, five or 10 minutes at the end of the meeting, be creative. Make sure it fits the, the uh, style of your organization, but it does work. And they'll get to the point where they realize, why are we hiding this from her? Just he, him, her, just because they got promoted. They, they will see that you are very much doing the work of a leader and that you are there for them. That's the most important thing. Oh, I love that answer. I absolutely love that answer. And you touched on two things, right? Coming from a point of disgruntled or uncertainty. And I love how you just dissolved those two portions as to being transparent. Yes. And and yet, and yet so many people struggle with being transparent. I know. (laughs) <laughs> it's a mystery, Miles, because um, there are going to be, I think one of the big, I think that one of the reasons they struggle with it is because there are most often, again, in traditionally structured organizations, there's information that, let's say, um, a department level leader gets from upper leadership that they are not allowed to share. They're told, do not share this. This is not to be shared. Mm. So then they go back to their desk and they're like, uh-huh, how do I not share this when I know most likely it's already, there's already a lot of water cooler talk about it. And mm-hmm. I think that is probably why, when and why people struggle with being transparent. I, I think that you can still ask what's on your mind? You know, what have you not had a chance to bring, you know, bring forward to the whole organization or to me? Because they may, if they trust you, as they trust you more and more, they will raise it. And it, and at that point, you can always say to them, I'm not at liberty right now on certain points because it's not been true, you know, totally decided. But as soon as I am at liberty to say it, I will, I will tell you. And they may not be thrilled with that answer, but they will know that that you are being straightforward with them. I mean, there's a certain reality of, of working, and they know it. They know it. If they got promoted, they'd be facing the same thing. Right. Right. That's such a great, great point. Uh, I want to take this time to, to <laughs> remind everyone that we are speaking with Kate Nusser today and the topic we are t- discussing is leading people who used to be your peers or our peers and such a, a timely, timely topic. And we also have comments, uh, Andrea Sanchez from LinkedIn, she mentioned about love the watercolor idea for and of meetings. Yes, it, this is Hi, Andrea. <laughs> Yeah, this is such a great, great point that you brought up, right? Like dissolving, dissolving any kind of conflict, dissolving any kind of uncertainty and and being that transparent, uh, being transparent itself, right? right? And I love that you mentioned, let's bring the watercolor talk. Why must we speak behind someone's back, speak behind someone's uh, closed doors, right? Because <clears throat> when we when we it like to the point of unlayering an onion when we are open when we are transparent we are eliminating someone's uncertainty i'm going to go to the humanistic perspective right psychological safety because when we yeah (laughs) have a master's degree in organizational psychology so i love this yes yes so 
when when someone new comes in, especially a peer takes on a leadership role, mm-hmm. there's also a layer of worth, right? Am I not worthy enough? Am I not worthy enough to be a leader? Mm-hmm. What kind of potential, what kind of skills do I lack that this person has got? So let's talk a little bit about that. So are you asking like the person who did not get promoted is asking yeah. why did I not get promoted and you did that sort of thing? Yeah, because sometimes when they see peers be, becoming a right. leader, right, they hold back, right? right? That's another sign of leading as well because leading is not just, okay, I'm going to lead, I'm going to serve you, I'm going to listen to you. But when the other party, when your peers, when your dark reports, right, are not reciprocating, are stonewalling, the wall goes up. Right. How do we break that? And the wall is based on their insecurity. The wall is based on why didn't I get the leadership position? What do I lack that someone else has? So how do we break that layer, dissolve that layer? Absolutely. So, you know, I wrote an article, oh gosh, I think it was probably three, four years ago even. And the response to it was tremendous. And the article was 25 talents, 25 natural talents to spot in your employees. And there is, in terms of leadership, there are innate talents. There are some people who do naturally are drawn to leadership and, and, and others can see it and that's why they get promoted. Other times they get promoted because they had a specific skill set at that time, at that place that those leaders wanted. And I've seen both. Mm-hmm. So when you get promoted and the people who didn't get promoted want to know, well, what was wrong with me? My first words are, first of all, there's nothing wrong with you. There are lots of opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of my roles as leader is to help mentor you into roles that you would like to get to. So let's talk about what your inner natural talents are. Let's talk about what your skills are and where's the gap between that and what some of these other leadership management type positions generally require. If you, people are always going to have emotion. I'm, I always have emotion. There's the emotion And when you address that in terms of, no, there's nothing wrong with you, nothing. There are millions of opportunities, whether it's here or out in the world. So let's talk about you and your great talents and your skill sets and where you want to go and what you need to do to get there and what this company or I can do to help get you there. So when you address it from, yes, you're, you're great. And yes, you have talents. They may not be fully developed or they may not be the, what they wanted right now, but so what? Let's talk about where you're going and how to get you there. Most people will shift over now and start to realize that this is, this is really no different than any other mentoring, you know, employer, employee mentoring session where, you know, an employee goes into the, to their boss, who's been their leader for, let's say five years and says, Hey, I, I want to become a manager or I want to, you know, to get over into that department. What do I need to do to move ahead in this company? Those kind of conversations go on all the time. The fact that you used to be their peer is actually not, not a, a very important factor, but you don't want to say that 
that way because it would be demeaning and dismissive. So you say to them, there's nothing wrong with you. Let's talk about what your goals are. And I can tell you some of the talents I think I see in you that maybe the previous leader didn't. And let's talk about what you think your talents and interests and goals are. And let's get to work. I love it. I love this. Oh my God. So many questions, but let's take a quick, <laughs> say a quick hi. Andrea said hi, Kate. Hi, and we also have Enrique from LinkedIn saying hello. And Andrea also said that she absolutely loves this topic. So hello to everyone listening. At well, you have to know that uh, Andrea Sanchez and I have been connected uh, through, I think, Twitter and LinkedIn for a long time. And we finally got to meet in New York City. She came to New York. Oh, my God. That was absolutely wonderful. And Andrea has a, a very, very deep commitment to helping to help people find their true center and where they want to go. I mean, she's tremendous. So I'm thrilled that she's listening in tonight because we're, we're of one mind on this. Yes, no, she's fantastic. I had a, a opportunity to meet her in person as well in, in New York last year. And Enrique too, well, we have met Matt virtually. So thank you everyone for tuning in and listening in. Um, Kate, I absolutely loved the point that you just made, right? As a leader, how, how do we truly um, find the skills in you, right? And identify what your skills are. But you also mentioned about how someone who says, I want to move ahead in the company. I want to lead. I want to become a leader. I want to explore this. There's a difference in wanting to moving ahead in a company mm -hmm. or and wanting to lead, right? Mm -hmm. I always call it being a, a people success partner and being a manager right mm -hmm. a lot of the times people think i want to become a manager because it's a rank up right it's leadership it's more money it's more status right. more class. Right. yes of course but there's also a difference in becoming a leader being a people sponsor people success partner right. where you are leading people from mm -hmm. the heart for other beating hearts to find their unique skills to really mm -hmm. cultivate enable them and push them ahead. Mm -hmm. There two differences. Mm -hmm. So I want to hear from your expertise. How can someone, right, leading, uh, someone who, who used to be out here and now is leading, are you le leading for the right reasons? Mm -hmm. Are you moving ahead for the right reasons? And it's so important when we lead, to your point, the, you know, the Z generation, the millennials, and even some Z millennials, some X generation, they want purpose. Mm -hmm. They don't want all this chaos. They want a, a good paycheck to sustain their souls. <laughs> because when they go to work, they are going to work as whom they are. They're the same person whom they are at work, in the workplace, in society, to the church, temples, wherever that they go. Yeah, authenticity. They want to be themselves. Yes. So... Mm -hmm. How do we identify if you're leading for the right reasons? Are you a people success partner or are you a manager? Two different things. How so, do we identify that? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the debate, we talked earlier about the other debate that goes on, you know, can you be friends with those you lead? But there is another debate that's been going on in the leadership community forever. And I mean forever. Is there a difference between a leader and a manager? You know, they go on and on about it and they say, oh, yes, there is. Managers manage processes and leaders lead people. And I say, well, in a traditional, I mean, we're going way back now. In very traditional organizations, 
maybe, maybe you could make that distinction, but I want you to picture, you know, get in your mind a picture for a minute of a department, right? There are leaders, you call them people's success partners. And then maybe there are these quote managers, right? Who are managing processes. Okay. Um, how do the managers who are managing processes interact with people? You, you, can't, you can't separate these things completely. Now, someone could have their primary role. Uh, let's say they're a project manager. And project managers are very specific skill set. Um, they have not just in terms of the software and, and good planning skills, but also in how you can be tough on everybody to stick to schedules and all that kind of thing. But by the same token, you still have to have great people skills. I've been, I've been into organizations and witnessed a project manager. I mean, Patton was more, uh, you know, General Patton was, was probably more human than, than this person. And, and, and I'm thinking, oh dear heavens, you know, you can, you can be tough in project management so that the job gets done under budget, on schedule, all very important things, and still be respectful of other human beings. Also, managers frequently are in team meetings. They're involved all the way. So to answer your question, if someone is trying to figure out, do they want to be a manager or do they want to be a people's success partner and, and really lead human beings... The answer is to have them picture what does a manager do and what does a leader do. I went through this myself years ago when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I went to a career counselor and she changed my life. Now, in my case, I left and started my own business. That was what happened to me. But what we did in those career counseling sessions really had nothing to do with, oh, well, you know, what job do you want? It had more to do with who are you? What motivates you? What excites you? What sustains you? Can you picture yourself doing this for 30 years? And so on. And so when anyone says to me, when I coach them, or it could be they come to you if you're their former peer, now leader, or a manager, you can say to them, take some time and first picture what that job you think you want is really like. Very few people ever envision what the job they think they want is really like. I talked to all kinds of consultants. I knew lots of them at the company I was working for. And oddly enough, in hindsight, I always got along better with them than I did the daily um, sort of you know, routine. So the handwriting was on the wall. I just couldn't see it at the time. But they gave me a very realistic picture of what it was like to be self-employed, what it was like to be a consultant. So by the time I left and started my own business, I had a picture. I had an image. Now, it got clearer and clearer as time went on. But that's, the, that's step one. If someone says they want to move ahead or they want to be a leader, say to them, good, let's talk specifically. Picture your ideal job or your next job. What is it? What happens in that job? Is, a lot of, is there a lot of um, details and, and, and meetings and being in one place? Or is it about inspiring people? Get them to picture it. And then, again, the next step is to have them assess their skills and their talents 
everybody can try something. I've been through more than one career before I started my own business. And it's okay to try and to say, ooh, that's not quite what I thought it would be. <laughs> I, think I think I'll change on that one. <laughs> um, and that's part of the journey. I love, I love coaching people who are at that point where they know they want to change, but they're not sure what they want to change. Because what excitement right. it is to help just kind of guide them. And then they, they call you up. One day I got an email from somebody who had kind of stopped me in a parking lot after I taught a, a two-day class, we came out. It was down south. It was like 98 degrees. It was hot. We were both sweating. We stood there for an hour and talked. And she had wanted to relocate to um, New Mexico. But she had oh, a Corvette that she was paying off. And she went through all these things. So after an hour, and I was about ready to faint from the heat, I looked at her and I said, okay. I said, here's the question. I said, don't answer it now. I said, go home and ask yourself, what do you want more, the Corvette or New Mexico? I said, once you figure that out, everything will fall into place. It was a year later. I get this email, and the name looked vaguely familiar. And I opened it up, and it said, hello from New Mexico. <laughs> oh, Wow. That is fantastic. Wow. So whether you're going to lo relocate or start your own business or move up in a company or change from the technical track to the, to the human track, that's what we used to call it. Hopefully they're blending now. Um, every single person has tremendous potential. And in the moment when you get promoted and they didn't, of course they're going to feel like, oh, what's wrong with me? And if they come to you or at least you hear about it and you kind of bring them in, the, my opinion, my professional opinion is that one of your ob obligations is to let them know there's nothing wrong with you. Nothing. You have tremendous potential. I was what they wanted right now. And there's been a lot right. of leaders who've told me, I'll say to them, how did you, you know, I, I just, I, I talk to people constantly. This is how I get all of this insight. And I, and one said to me, she goes, I know this one person. She said, I got this job because of these three skills. She knew exactly. And there were other people that, that she was now leading that were her, were her peers. And, but they, they picked her because she had more experience in those very tangible three skills. It was that simple. It wasn't that they thought the other people were worthless or that they were never right. going to be a leader. It was at that time. I always say to people, be ready. The reason I've been successful is that I constantly learn. I, I, I'm, I'm like this nerdy learner. I'm addicted to learning. And if you are, <laughs> I am, I admit it. And if you are addicted to learning and you're always developing, it doesn't mean that you're never going to have free time and relax. That's important too. Cause you learn about yourself, you know, you need right. to, but if you're always learning, you're showing the, the people around what you can do. You're a top-notch contributor. You help each other. You know, you're helping other people. You will be noticed. You right. will be noticed. So I love that you mentioned, you mentioned a few points, but I want to touch on this particular point because we're running it out of time. You mentioned about, you know, being leading from the heart, right? Being a people right. success partner. And then you have a manager who, who oversees processes, right? Mm -hmm. I 
I have been a program manager before. I've been a global program manager before, global project manager, right? I'm all about processes. I'm all about automation. I'm all about getting the stuff done. Right, right. And then, and then I have the other side of me where I care for people. I want to cultivate them. I want to enable them. And when these two, of course, my brain and my background is in chemical engineering and human conditioning and conflict analysis. Oh so all these... <laughs> like science. Well, my bachelor's degree is in mathematics and my master's <laughs> is in organizational psychology. So we kind of yes. thing going on. There's always intersection, right? Right. You your your background intersects maths plus psychology, uh right. organizational psychology. Yeah. My background is in chemical engineering and human conditioning, learning about how humans are conditioned, how humans behave, what ticks humans. And if subjects can intersect, if our bodies, right? Our brain intersects with our heart. Our heart intersects with every part of our body. Nature intersects with each other. And so does processes and enabling people that intersects. The now of leadership is all about intersectionality. Right. And we have had comments from Enrique and Andrea is lead beyond the company, lead with humanity. Yes. Andrea mentioned a great point. Uh, right now, as to you don't need to wait to be promoted, yes. right? Oh, God, yes. Thank you, Andrea. Oh, my heavens, yes. <laughs> in fact, in fact, even though structurally many companies are still hierarchical for a lot of sort of back, uh, behind-the-scenes reasons, the trend in especially like in the high tech companies where the business is the tech and the brains, the tech brains are the ones in the end, you know, that are making this happen. You will find that there's all kinds of leadership going on among the peers, um, among the ranks, whatever the, the, the right word is. But I mean, Andrea is spot on. Absolutely true. You, I, I always say to people, lead before you get the title. Just make sure you don't step on the leader's toes. You know what I mean? It, it's not about trying to be a leader, but when you step forward and offer to help, when you give suggestions in meetings, this is when you, when you see a crisis developing, and even though you don't have the authority to solve it, you let your, your leader know, hey, I, I, I'm not saying you don't see it, but I see this. Is there anything you want me to do mm -hmm. to this is, these are all show your skills, contribute your talents, Right. Leadership is about stepping forward. Right. Leadership Absolutely. is about stepping forward. And in that you become an influencer, not a yeah. arrogant, you know, pompous, whatever. Um, <laughs> but that is leadership. And there's a lot of organizations where the teams are leading themselves even though there is a leader and there's still structure there. Yes, absolutely true. Absolutely love this. And again, we are talking about leading people who used to be your peers. And I know that we are out of time, Kate, but before we go, what three tips do you have for viewers and listeners out there, you know, for when they lead? people who used to be our peers or the our peers, mm -hmm. um, what three short tips do you have so they can take away and implement in the future? Well, I have um, 
one tip that I have to get, that I have to get out because it's so critical and yet most people don't think about it. And that is if you're not yet promoted into being the leader of your peers. So in other words, peers out there, you know, every employee that's on a team, you go to work, you've got peers, you have coworkers, develop great relationships with those people. Because whether you become their leader at some point or not, all of this that we've been talking about in this session, it all has to do with how you treat other people. And so if you develop good relationships, show respect, build the trust, honor your commitments, be accountable, have their backs, all of these things. So that's tip number one. And if you just got promoted and you're leading your peers and you didn't have good relationships with them, then point number two is it's time to reset. It's time to reset. Your hill is going to be higher to climb you know, if you didn't have good relationships with them, but you can be honest with them. You can say, look, I realize that we haven't been the tightest, you know, together here before, but we are a team and I'm going to correct any mistakes that I've made. And I'm here to listen. And I'm here to take, uh, take the heat from above and keep that heat from burning you and so forth. So make sure that you're starting out with a commitment to having good relationships with. That doesn't mean favoritism. It means good, solid relationships. Number two, you've listened to this tonight, um, this wonderful podcast that uh, Myla has of hardship. And number two is to make sure that you do it right the first time. Now, nobody's perfect. I certainly wasn't the first time I got promoted. But I can tell you now, after so many years of consulting and coaching and everything, that Everything we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, um, so if, when you listen to this, go back, listen to the beginning again, make sure you think about what it is, your what is your philosophy of leadership and who you are to them and what they expect of you. You've got to think that through and then get in there and get those discussions going very quickly. And lastly, my gosh, make sure that you are giving more recognition and appreciation on a daily basis. That is the other element that showed up in a lot of the research I did when I was writing my book, Leading Morale. Um, there are some people out there that think that's fake and you shouldn't be telling people how, you know, how good they are. Well, the bottom line is if you do it generically, it sounds fake. But when someone accomplishes a goal ahead of time, when someone has put in extra work, when someone spotted a risk that you didn't spot, all of those things deserve a, that was great. Thank you for doing that. Those things make a difference and it does matter in terms of leading morale. So be prepared, know who you are and what they expect, get their expectations, and then make sure that you are mentoring them and giving them recognition and appreciation quite frequently. I love that. And it doesn't cost nothing. anything to give recognition. Nothing. And they, I mean, every, <laughs> go and you can research, just Google research and you'll see the studies yeah. out there. Of course, yeah. Oh, well, I don't need recognition. I just need a good paycheck. Well, of course, everyone needs a good paycheck. But when somebody says to me they don't need any recognition, 
I am very, yes. very skeptical because it could be that they are, that they don't want that in front of other people. There are introverts. You know, there's all kinds of differences of personalities. That's fine. But every single human being I have ever met in my corporate work and my 30 years of doing this business of, you know, coaching and training, uh, customer service, leadership, teamwork, everything. I've never met a single person that didn't want some positive feedback for things that yes. did well. I mean, yeah. come on, you're human. Right. Even there's, there's, there's science, there's research, proven research that yes. babies who are not conditioned yet, mm -hmm. right? Even when you clap and say, good job, all good work, Amazing. they get happy. Yeah. It's a human thing. Totally. It's everyone yearns to be wanted. Everyone wants recognition. Yep. So, Thank you again for being here. And thank you. This was a wonderful opportunity. No, I love having you. I love having you. I Hope would love to, to come you. back sometime and talk about the generational differences. I think that would be yes. a great talk. It was right on my mind. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm so having you back. So where can listeners and viewers find you, Kate? Yes. So, of course, on Twitter, I'm at Kate Nasser. Um, I run a people skills chat every Sunday morning at 10 a.m., all different kinds of topics, personal relationship topics, but more on the, you know, a little more on the business side. Um, I'm, I have a blog. My website is katenasser.com. I publish at least one new post every week. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I have my book leading morale, which is available at amazon.com. I, you can always, you know, tag me on anything. If you've got questions, I always tell people, look, even between the, the chats that I do and the podcasts and everything, you know, I'm here for your questions. And if you have questions you want to ask me, send me a question on one of whatever platform we're on together and um, I'll respond. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you, Enrique. Thank, Thank you, you, everyone else who sent who sent comments and questions. It's been a pleasure having you, Kate. Um, again, <laughs> absolutely. If you liked hearing this on YouTube, please subscribe, hit the, the subscribe and the bell button. Give it a thumbs up. If you like this on LinkedIn, give it a thumbs up. Of course, follow uh, Hardship. It's on iTunes to podcast as well. Again, thank you, everyone. I am your host, Mila Dushon. This is Hardship, the now workplace diversity leadership. And is, please tune in again. Till next time, have a great, great week ahead again. Leap from the heart for other beating hearts because we are all humans. Thank you and I'll see you all soon.